Welcome to Life with this is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful, Lori Michelle Levitt. Lori, are you ready to do this? I am. Hi, George. I'm excited to have you on. Lori is the Pivot Catalyst. She's a founder, author, and keynote speaker. She's working to develop leaders and help orgs generate momentum. Lori, tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Well, as you can tell by the the bio, I love momentum. Get go crazy when I don't have it. And as my service, I help others find momentum. I catalyze momentum for leaders and teams. And I write and speak about pivots. And my uh, view on a pivot is, well, it's a, it's a significant change. And significant changes are not fast, unlike how the media portrays them to be. The decision to pivot is fast. Sometimes the awareness of the need to pivot is fast, like in the pandemic, but oftentimes that's not even fast. The actual moving from this point to a result that is sustainable, a better place is not fast. And so I help leaders orchestrate what they need to do for their culture. So their culture is always ready for change. There's that famous Silicon Valley, I think it was maybe Facebook that coined that term, move fast and break things. But that's not necessarily the right approach for the majority of organizations. No, in fact, I I work with some entrepreneurs, uh, but mostly I work with those businesses that have been in place for a while and it's really hard to change. And there are so many more people than you. And so you as the leader need to orchestrate many shifts by many people over time. And that's why I use the term orchestration. It's not commanding, it's, it's being with, but there are things that you can do in your organizational culture so that you are not having to always then command or be in that emerging emergency situation. People will discover it. They will speak up. There are things you can do to make that happen. Would a term for that be change ready? <laughs> That's a great term for it. Sure. I'm just going to make things up, Laurie. Yeah, why not? I mean, I, I'm also fond of saying when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Maybe I'm getting closer. I, it is. It really is about preparation. And I work with a lot of leaders and and a lot of those that are in the position of leadership and are developing still as leaders. Um, and there are many that are in that position that really don't really care to be the kind of leader I'm talking about. And that's not who I, that's not who I work with. Mm -hmm. And, and it truly is, it's an ongoing, I mean, you are always, that's your role as a leader. You are always building and nurturing and re-preparing and resetting the stage for this state. And I actually penned a term for this state that I see organizations in when those performance breakthroughs happen. And I call it the state of aligned momentum. It's when there's both alignment, meaning throughout the organization, they get where the organization is going, they feel part of it. And 
the the processes, the right people, the systems are all in place to have momentum, or at least, and momentum doesn't mean that you're always just pushing forward. You'll have setbacks, but people catch it quickly, early. And so you're not stalling for a long time. Problems aren't growing into something really huge. And I have seen organizations when they're in that state have breakthroughs. And then I've seen the same organization be out of that state. So I'm, I'm, I'm feverishly taking notes. <laughs> I imagine that if we could start right at the beginning with a new organization and set the tone right at the beginning, that would be better. But, mm -hmm. but that's probably uncommon. Um, or, or just, you know, kind of, kind of correct me where I'm wrong. Is it possible for any organization to implement these things to prepare themselves so that they are, so that they can reach that state of aligned momentum? Yes. Um, and in my first book, The Pivot, Orchestrating Extraordinary Business Momentum, I give some examples of that. And then in my most recent book, Pivot to Clarity, which clarity is a is a key indicator that you're in that state. There are six aligned momentum key indicators. That's one of them. Um, a good example of this is what Satya Nadella has done with Microsoft. And of course, you know, I'm using those terms because they're quick to say, but it's not Satya Nadella has done it, right? He has orchestrated that throughout his organization. And he had the courage to start with culture which is one call out. Because if you, as a leader, and you're wanting to be in the state of line momentum, you have to understand where you are in moving toward that state. And you may be at the very start. And the very start is having a place where it's safe to step up and speak out. And one way to measure that, because I measure everything, one way to measure that is, does everyone absolutely know that their manager has their back and wants them to be successful? And if you don't have that, which Microsoft didn't, then that's where you have to start. Which makes a ton of sense. You can want all you... You can desire change if you're at the top all you want, but if the other human beings in your organization are like, oh yeah, sure, that, 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 that sounds great. If I do that, I will lose my job or I'll face ridicule or just they're not comfortable with that. So that makes sense right. why that's a starting point. Yeah. And what's so wonderful um, these days is you're seeing more leaders calling that out. Like Mary Barra saying, hey, I was in this organization and I was part of the looking at costs first. Hmm. And she's willing to say, hey, we did this. We would not speak up if because there was a cost involved and, and our priority was to reduce costs was a higher priority than reducing risk. I, I'm not, those aren't the words she used, but that's basically what she's saying. And that is, you know, you really as a leader have to step back and, and see what is the state of my organization right now? What, what is happening? And it's not always easy to discover that 
if people are speaking up. So it's gonna, so my, what I'm saying in all of this is it's gonna take some time. And that's why I say it took courage to do culture first, because it's not short-term results, which in any public organization, we know company, any public company, we know there is a lot of pressure on short-term results. Yeah. Yeah. It happens every three months, right? And in non-public, you know, you mentioned startups. And what I'm seeing is when you said, well, it'd probably be easier when the business is just starting. And, you know, I love that you say that because I disagree. (laughs) Well, yeah, it'd be easier if you thought of it. But what are we thinking about when we start our businesses? We're thinking about that fast growth. We're thinking about getting stuff done. We're we're buying systems to help us manage work so that everybody's doing what we want them to do. And we really aren't paying that much attention to how people are being or working together. It's survival. It's growth. And it's not being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so then what happens, um, and I talk about this a little bit, is that <laughs> I work with those entrepreneurs that are fast growing that that know that they're going to hit this wall because they're afraid of becoming what they see as ugly corporate. They don't want to, quote, grow up ugly. <laughs> and so they're going, you know what, we want to do culture right. Because we don't want to just grow, 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 and then have a culture that we don't we don't want to go into the office. That's not where you want to be. You don't want to build that. But I totally get, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I totally get how it's, it's very difficult not to just focus on the getting stuff done. For sure. Okay. So as, where does it start? It starts with the CEO. It does start. I mean, there's the tone at the top. And I could, I'm sure there'll be others that say, hey, there are leaders throughout the organization. Yes, there are. And there are some in leadership roles where they are um, in a role of making decisions that affect the whole enterprise. So you could still be a leader in your role, but your role likely doesn't affect the entire enterprise. So when I say, say, leadership team, those are these decisions and the strategic direction that is affecting the entire organization. And it needs to start there. It is not about them. When I do a consulting engagement, do I sometimes get in because they're saying, well, do it for them? Yeah. <laughs> but, but I know that eventually they're going to be wrapped into it. If if I've seen the characteristics that I look for in the leaders. And those, I think you've already told me, but what are those characteristics? That ah, need to be present? So, you know, actually, I just, I just stepped into that, didn't I? So <laughs> actually the characteristics I look at leaders and I, I came up with these three as I build leadership peer groups, because I'll just give you this example. When you're building a peer group, it has to be, a safe and candid place. 
So if you're in a peer group like mine, you need to be wanting the success of everyone in the group. And you need to be open to saying whatever will help you grow and conflicting with them to help them grow. Now, wouldn't we all want our senior leadership teams and boards acting like this too? Yes. And so, you know, what was I looking for in character? And I came up with three. One is curiosity. And I defined that as you know a lot, but you're not a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. So you have to be open to learn and grow. I mean, these are all leaders. We do know a lot, but we have to remain curious. Um, the other is courage. And I mentioned that before in my example. And that includes the courage to be vulnerable. And then the last, which sounds... it. Sounds like it doesn't belong because you don't hear it often in business, but that's tenacity. And how I define that is that you have what it takes to get through the ridiculously tough stuff, which means when that fear of looking bad or whatever other fears that you have, even if you say, I don't have fears, the stuff that's holding you back from being all you can be, then you know, you, you are going to limit your growth and you're going to limit your ability to be a great leader. So tenacity to me is important. I also really like to be around that kind of person. Yeah, well, I certainly agree. Being a knowing a lot, but not a know-it-all, need the courage to, to be vulnerable and, and to, to explore. And then the tenacity is, I, I, I know that CEOs, presidents, leaders of organizations already take a lot of, of of grief and they get it from inside the organization and outside. And then when you're starting to or working to make big changes or prepare your organization to uh, to have that aligned momentum, I imagine that you're going to ruffle feathers within the group. Mm-hmm. And the media and the boards and the shareholders and probably some community and some stakeholders and exactly. So being ready to do that and not ready to do it, but also to stay the course as you are doing it. So you don't just pull the ripcord and say, oh, this was a lot worse than I thought. Let's just worry about this next quarter or next year. No, we need to stick to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So momentum. I I agree. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of it also. And from a physics standpoint, it's easier to keep things moving than it is to start or stop things. And and then making sure that it is aligned. Tell me a little bit more about that, about the about the alignment of the momentum. I will. And I also, you just said two things together. You made a segue from um, not stopping to momentum. And I just, I just wanted to pick up on that because part of momentum is being willing to stop. So, you know, why are you continuing? You know, don't be a Nokia 
you know, or way back then, Wang, a we made this decision and it is our decision and we're sticking to it mm. and we are not looking at the signs around us or we're looking at them and we think that we are just so great that we can push through it. I don't know, George, have you done that? I've done that before. Sure, have you ever done sure. that? Yep. Yeah. I've done that with people. Oh, yeah, they are, you know, they're a partner. They're, they are not doing what they said they're going to do. But man, I am so good at this. That doesn't matter. I can still get this. No, no, momentum lost it completely. Huge stall. And um, yeah, we, we need to continue to look at our decisions and the context around us and choose to change when that is wise to do so. Anyway, back to your, you may, you may no, have to I, your the, question. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> right. And that's, that, that's, that's where the courage is. That's where the curiosity is. That's where, um, and tenacity to continually have the ability, the courage, the willingness to, to look in the mirror myself as a leader, but then as an organization, and then to look at the things we're afraid to look at, or we've been ignoring. Um, so, yes. And I imagine sometimes we need to redefine what our values are, what our direction is. And this is also a process that is ongoing. Yes, um, with values and those, I call them um, like the guardrails, the parameters. I mean, when you're looking forward and, you know, what are we going to do in the future? Having those values, the principles, these are things that you will hold to, again, tenacity, even when it's ridiculously hard to. And those are also important. And, and everybody should should know what they are. And you don't have to have the exact, let's say in an organization, and I, we value trust. One, define what that is in your organization. Mm. There, And then alignment with that. Yes, you want everybody to be trustworthy. I'm saying not saying you don't, but they may choose different words for it. It's just, is it aligned? So alignment doesn't mean same as. Same thing with your strategic plan. So one way to keep momentum and have alignment is to share your strategic objectives and then allow those that are closer to the work. So the divisions, then the departments and, and, you know, you can, you can not go past the managers. I mean, it can get quite convoluted, but communication wise, it goes out to the edges of the organization and then allow them to come up with what can they affect and how would they measure their progress so that you're really starting to work at that aligning the person with their role and the role with strategy. We so often go into those strategic planning session, we, the senior leadership team, and we because it's comfortable for us, we spend 90% of the time on the execution plan as if we know how the work is being done, where the work is being done, mm -hmm. and spend way too little on the the future looking 
apart. And that is that future. That's what that's what everybody is looking to us to provide. That's what we need to be working on. Do we then bring it back to this year? What do we want to do? And do we come up with some idea of how we we can measure that so that we even know, are we way off base? Do we even have the talent to do this? Are we actually doing the right things before, you know, you know, if we if we want this, what do we have to do first? Yes, have those discussions, but don't make it concrete. Don't just then hand it to accounting to create a budget until you've taken that strategy out through the organization and said, "All right, here's the direction we're headed. We've we've come up with some ideas of of what we think would be done in order to get there, but you tell us." And then, you know, you figure out, you, you tell us how you would measure that progress. You tell us what would be hard. You tell us. And, and so people will start owning that and feel aligned with that. This will get you alignment and momentum. Um, the other, I mentioned the six aligned momentum key indicators. We will not have time to go over them all. Um, but if you'd like, I can mention what they are. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so one is clarity. And that is so my second book, Pivot to Clarity, is about not only being getting clear as a leader, and, and, and then being clear so that you are being so clear that the other person gets it for them. So it's getting clear and being clear. Um, so there is clarity, and then mastery mindsets. You want growth in your organization. You want uh, nimble decision-making, strategic thinking, talent adaptability, managers as coaches. And I may have missed one. Did I say five or six? But this gives you an idea of, I mean, there's just six. And truly, you know, you can measure these. And when you have these, you likely are in a state of aligned momentum. I love it. That makes sense. Well, Lori, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage and where can they pick up a copy of Pivots to Clarity? So my main website is under my name, but you can also get to get to it from thepivotcatalyst.com, which is probably easier to spell. Um, my books are a menu on that page. If you want to get to the second book and get some gifts with that order, we put up a separate landing page, pivottoclarity.com. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Laura your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to thepivotcatalyst.com. And you can also go to pivottoclarity.com and Dig deeper into what Laurie and I have been talking about and get yourself a copy and find out if this is exactly what your organization has been looking for. Thanks again, Laurie. Thank you. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.